On this episode, we discuss standards, Hutma at Infocom, and solutions engineering, all that and more on EdTech. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Nation is brought to you by Atlona, the go-to provider for AV signal distribution and control in corporate, higher education, and residential spaces. Learn more at atlona.com. EdTech episode 105. Let's get physical. Hello, AV friends, and welcome to another episode of EdTech. As always, we have our panel of awesome higher ed AV professionals, Ernie Bailey. Hey, Ernie. Hello, everybody. Great to be here again. And we have Rob Raspberry. Hello. Thanks for calling me a professional. That means a lot. (laughs) And Scott Tyner. Hey, Aaron. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. And today we have a special guest joining us from Washington and Lee University, Annie Foster. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about um, what you do at uh, Washington and Lee. It's a little bit of everything, right? Um, So classroom technology, also meeting spaces, designing the rooms. We're getting ready to uh, build a new building. So that's always exciting. Um, Just anything, even TVs and offices, anything technology related that people can teach from. And not only that, but Annie is also the secretary of HETMA and has been amazing kind of heading up the uh, this year's cohort of the PRISM scholarship winners. Thank you for doing that. Oh, yeah. So we can jump right in today with our first article that we read. This one comes from Rave Pubs, of course, written by Scott Tyner, uh, Budget, Inventory, and Standards. Um, yeah, so with the issues with supply chain and you know, raising of prices of uh, equipment, have you guys been considering changing your standards? Well, I'll, I'll jump in, Aaron, to say that we we haven't done it yet. We we are considering it. We're looking at uh, some other products. I think that uh, we're at the point where, uh, at least from my perspective and, and school's perspective, you have to consider it uh, to be uh, to be responsible to your your school's budget um, and to be respons- responsive to what your school's needs are. As the, the article mentioned, not only are there the severe budget issues. But there's the lack of supply, and so there's the lack of ability to uh, get things in and do your regular maintenance or do your upgrades. Um, Annie just said she's building a new building. I'm interested to hear how how she expects equipment to be in and, and what steps she's taken uh, to make sure that'll happen. Yeah, well, we're starting pretty far out. <laughs> uh, it's, it's expected to open in uh, summer of 25. So order your stuff today. Right. Yes, we're trying to we're trying to get ahead of it. Absolutely. Um, but in terms of our standards, we we've been kind of creating some standards. There was a like a loose outline of what is included in a classroom, but never like uh, we're using BIAMP for DSPs. It was always whatever was appropriate for the space at kind of the lowest cost. 
And so we're working on standards now, which is uh, an extra hurdle because we spend the time doing the research and development, trying to find exactly what we think is going to work well in our environment. And then it's not available. Right. It's like you almost have an advantage slightly in that you, since you haven't developed one yet, you could, you're, you know, you could select something different and change it. But if you were 18 years into a standard, you're kind of like, Ooh, that, that kind of hurts a bit trying yeah. to make a change. That is kind of true. We're kind of like a jack of all trades at this point and an expert at none, right? Like we can deploy pretty much anything, but can we fine tune it? Right. From a support standpoint, how do you find, like, is, is it more difficult because every, you never know what you're walking into? Absolutely. So trying to make that a little easier, but um, luckily we were functioning pretty well. I was going to say, we've, we've tried to uh, standardize, but now with the supply chain issues continuing as they are, we're looking at alternatives that can still work within our uh, box design, as we call it. We've got several different standard room designs that we do, so rooms are repeatable and instructors know what to expect as they go up and down the hallway. They're going to get the same feel and, and uh, functionality. But uh, we're finding that doing more of a configuration programming, we can easily trade out, you know, uh, whether it's the production switcher or uh, the wireless gateway or whatever device we can change out, still use the same buttons and the functionality is the same for the instructor. But we're, we look more at the availability than the price right now because we're able to find, you know, similar priced products uh, that have, like I said, very similar features. And if we can make them work within the program that we already have existing, uh, that's, that's good. And, uh, it kind of opens our eyes up to some new products and we're kind of being surprised at what we're finding and features on new devices that we were not expecting that kind of give us a little bit of an edge uh, on some things. So Sounds like you're keeping secrets from us, Ernie. Got to tell us what we can do here. <laughs> um, so uh, at Drexel, we're sort of in an interesting situation where you know, we had a new building with Crestron infrastructure, AV over IP, and, and trying to vet that. And then a lot of the university is also on Extron. So it's it, it, it's causing an interesting kind of control system war. And to be honest, I don't know if the supply chain issue is much better with either or. And so what that does is it does force you into looking into innovative and other solutions. So in a way, you're sort of forcing innovation, which in, on one hand is good, but is it if the new you know, direction you go with doesn't work as well as what you're used to? And so you're balancing your budget versus you know, functionality, I guess you could say, but that's not to say that a new uh, product will work better than your current infrastructure. And then you look for other platforms to standardize on, whether it's displays, whether it's like, you know, Annie, you said DSPs, um, you know, it seems like a lot of the audio products are not on much uh, as much of a supply chain issue. 
Um, so you have to look for other spaces to try to save money. If indeed, like Scott, like you said, if, if say if my campus decides, oh, we're going Crestron and there's a, a price increase and then there's this supply back chain backup, you know, it's like, well, can we do it or do we need to stick with what we have or what do we got to do? So it, it, it's a very interesting time, I think, that we're in, you know, where, you know, you're forced to look for other other solutions if your tried and true doesn't come through for you. So it'd be interesting to see what Preston does for you, Scott. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see. I also think, I mean, I, I, I think what I wrote is, is true. I also think that uh, humans and what we do are so hard to change. Right. And we, we often talk about higher ed being like an, an oil tanker trying to turn the thing around. Right. And I actually think any of these companies have a long time to solve this problem. So we might use some different products right now and for the next couple of years. Um, but I think we see a lot of things kind of oh, snapping right back to the way they were before the pandemic. And so I have a sense that if if the supply chain issues figured out, I'm curious to know if Crescent will ever lower their prices, right? Uh, will they will they at some point say these things have, have freed up? We can make them quicker. We can make it faster. Probably 35% increase over two years was a little aggressive. Uh, will we will they scale some of that back? And if so, I think a lot of people who are looking at other things are going to just by the natural flow and the fact that they've got hundreds of rooms, they will come back. Um, but will time will tell. Absolutely. It's like you have we have to kind of try to find the balance between keeping on budget while giving the same sort of customer experience for the end users but also not making it super difficult for any of our teams to support everything. So yeah, it might be a very gradual change, <laughs> if any at all. I think um, that kind of makes the whole standards thing difficult, even when there aren't these hurdles, right? Like there's always changes to the technology, a projector that, moves a setting and it's hard to find and so then it's not working right and um or they just like remove a setting they have some kind of smart chip in it that's gonna override your edid i don't <laughs> like finding the standards is it's a huge hurdle and it feels to me like we're never actually going to consistently have the same standard on campus in every classroom it's always an evolution so this is just another evolution of it. That is an excellent way to put it, an evolution. Because you're right, like even if most schools don't have enough money to replace every classroom at the same time. So each year the iteration is just slightly different. And so it's similar enough, but um but yeah, it is an evolution certainly. Well, all right. We'll move on to the next uh, article. This one comes to us from AV Network. Uh, Hetma and Avixa get physical. <gasps> so the Higher Education Technology Managers Alliance has announced a formal relationship with Avixa, which will be seen in force at Infocom 23. So I'm interested here from other people who aren't as close to the the subject as myself and Annie are. Um, how do, do you know what do you, how do you feel this uh, you know the how this new 
you know, sort of setup and event could, um, you know, help higher ed in general? One of the always the, the strongest points of going to an Infocom or any trade show is the networking connections that you make. So when you have a major organization that deals with standards across the industry, combining with a higher power, uh, higher ed uh, association, only good things can come of it. I mean, you know, obviously corporate stuff makes so, so much more money and is so much more of the pie, but the higher ed portion of it is very significant. So anything that you can do to, to solidify those relationships uh, between not only the organization, but the people within the organization and create a larger network is always a good thing. There's nothing that can only bring you good things. I have to agree with Rob. I mean, I, I read this article and I, I feel like the old guy in the room here. I mean, I, I think of kind of the people, you know, 20 years ago, you know, Joe Shook, Ernie Bailey, Tim Albright, Elaine Mello, Matt Silverman, the, all of these people who 20 years ago were on an end users council, they called it. At, at Infocom and who have been pushing and pushing and pushing to get higher ed to be recognized as um, more than the end user, as a, as a critical piece of the industry. Uh, and to, to see the acceptance from Avixa, the acceptance from manufacturers. Um, I, you know, I, those, those people I named, it's like, kind of like Avixa, uh, uh, Hetma now gets to stand on the, the shoulders of those giants and really kind of, um, do great things for education. So I am uh, tremendously uh, excited about it. Yeah, I like it. And like Scott, I've been around for a while. And, uh, you know, that's really where Avixa started. They were originally the uh, Association of uh, Educational uh, Technology. Uh, I can't remember the original name, but that, that's what they were. They were people who dealt with getting audiovisual equipment into schools. So it's it's kind of a full circle. Uh, Avixa has grown and uh, seeing uh, Hetma back in or, you know, seeing it uh, as part of it. Uh, I think it's a great, net, like Rob said, a great networking opportunity and lets us kind of have our little uh, circle within the big circle. Uh, to work together and share our unique needs that maybe not be part of the big picture of Avixa now. Yeah, it's it's exciting to have the opportunity to have um, a like set focus on just higher education, um, like we like there was uh, a few years ago pre-COVID, but it was set separately from Infocom, co you know, located in the same same time frame, same city, but it was, you know, you still had to, you know, go, you know, to a different location and whatnot. And so it's it's really nice to now have it co-located, but still have something that's just for for us and programming that you know, we as higher ed folks want, not kind of things that somebody else is kind of saying that we want. Um, so it's very exciting in that respect. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the idea of the, the booth is incredibly exciting. This idea that there's also a place you can say to manufacturers, integrators, whatever, you, you come to us, you 
you come find us and talk to us. I mean, I remember the first year for comps I went to, it was like me from little old Bates College in Maine. It's like, no, we don't really have time to talk to you. Uh, whereas now it, it, if there's tours and there's groups and the like, there's just, there's a, a different incentive there. And, and it makes sense. I mean, the higher ed sector of the AV industry is a significant piece. So it, it's great. There's nothing but good things, I think. Yeah, I think I'm super excited about the booth. I think it validates uh, the organization um, showing that we have space on the floor. Um, I'm just excited all around. Yeah, it'll be kind of nice for higher ed to have a place to congregate, essentially, since we are all about networking and whatnot. So to have that one location that we can kind of go and gravitate towards knowing that there's going to be other like-minded people there. Always. Yeah. You make, you make me rem- remember last year when I was like looking at everybody's badges and where's the education? Where's the edge? Oh, Hey, have you heard about Hema? <laughs> I won't have to be so creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. The last article that we looked at came from AV Nation and it was uh, LeGrand AV uh, unleashes their elite experts. So they um, have dev- created a solutions engineering team. Um, are Is this something that we feel is useful? Yeah. So one of the things that's happened is uh, sometimes when we call outside integrators in for a project or get some... Uh, input on what's happening. Some of them will charge you for design. They will charge you for these kind of services in some instances. So actually having uh, a group of professionals that could can potentially, you know, sort of design out what your project is or help you out with that is extremely useful, whether you use it or not. And, and I think just having that option is a big plus. So you have your team internally decide you're going to come up with something, call the grant people in, say, okay, this is what we're doing, see what they're uh, thinking about, and then, you know, design it the way fully you want, put it out to bid and see what happens. Um, I I hate to do this, but I've only had really good um, interactions with the grant, um, and it seems like they're one of the few uh, organizations that I run into that, you know, they have their product line, and they obviously push it, but they don't bash other organizations. They've always been pretty inclusive. For, for them to come up with something like this, I think is great. We've actually had a LeGrand training day on campus recent, pretty recently. And I think they've been doing it at a couple other higher ed institutions. So I think they're really, yeah, they're, they're, putting, they're putting it into action too. So I think that's great that they're reaching out and really recognizing that we need someone to talk to on that level. So even if I'm not using the services as completely as they're offering, it still gives me a place to reach out that's not tech support and that's not necessarily the sales rep so that I can have those in-depth conversations about how is this going to work with this other device. So I think that's huge. We haven't had them on campus yet. We've been talking to them. Uh, I was at a conference uh, last month and LeGrand was one of the sponsors, and I met with them for a while, and they were actually talking about this. Uh, 
I'd be, I'm interested to see how it works because they say they're willing to talk about competitors' products as well being integrated into, into the program. So if if that works without the bashing, which I've never heard the bashing from with Rand like I have from several other manufacturers, um, then I think that would be great because sometimes they do have the best product, sometimes they might not. And if they're willing to let us uh, if they're willing to talk to us about bringing in somebody else's, that w- that will be great. Uh, several years ago, I would have been probably more excited about this. I now have some real good designers on my team where we do our own design work and a lot of our own research. But it doesn't hurt to have someone come in and validate what you're doing. Yeah, I think there's always that piece, Ernie, of the, um, you know, we're the same way. We do a lot of our own design research, but you um, you only know what you know. And even if you do research, you still might only know what you know. And the grand might come in and say, hey, listen, so-and-so's got something in development, or maybe you haven't seen this. I Sometimes, it, you know, I'll see mounts, and I'm like, oh, like, like that is a creative. Like, how can you be creative about mounts? But you'll see something, you'll be like, wow, that's actually creative. And so it's just the stuff that you never knew. And, like, everybody here said, I actually haven't worked with a grand. Um, I think sometimes up in northern Maine, it's a little hard for companies to get up there. But everything I've heard about LeGrand from anybody and the, the kind of the bus tours that they do and the like is that they're just, they're great. Like at every, what everybody said and particularly what Andy said, that they're not, they're not there just to sell to you. And um, like Rob said, they do, they do shows at, at places. So um, I, I think it's a, it's a great resource. I'm, I'm curious to know five people seem a, a little small. So I'm curious to know if they'll continue to, to, to grow that number. Right. Yeah. Cause you're like, do they realize what they're getting themselves into by opening this up? Cause yeah, it's uh, even though, you know, my team does their own designs, it, it is nice to potentially have just that second set of eyes that could be like, so I see what you want to do here, but maybe, you know, there's this other way that's simpler or better or just different and that we'd never thought of that could be like, Oh Yeah. All right. Right. <laughs> right. It's it's a it's good to actually just hear good things like coming, you know, out that you know, that we we want to part it's it's more of a like partnership and working with you know with uh, with the higher ed space as opposed to just kind of like talking at us. So it's um you know it those are nice things to hear. But all right. Um, thanks for joining us for another episode of EdTech. Um, Ernie, where can everybody get a hold of you? You can find me on LinkedIn. And how about you, Rob? Well, since the producer said we just do monosyllables and all that kind of stuff, I still am going to say LinkedIn, but you can look me up at drexel.edu on the, on the university website. So if you're curious. <laughs> Excellent. And Scott, how about yourself? Uh, you can find me certainly on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on I'm on Twitter uh, and uh, write uh, for Ray Pubs as well. And Annie, how can anybody get in touch with you? I'm on LinkedIn also, but I am also on the Hetma Mighty Network. There we go. And for myself, you can find me on LinkedIn or on Twitter at smearing underscore off underscore ice. Thank you for joining us. This has been another excellent episode. See you next month.